What? Your oh, your pages. Well, uh, we're on uh, Psalm one nineteen, verse one thirteen, or uh, it's one thirteen through one seventeen. We're on verse one nineteen. We're going to get there right now. So uh, Psalm one nineteen, verse one thirteen, starting in one thirteen. One nineteen verse one thirteen. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandment of commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. So we're on page seven. And um, well, that's, that's what you're asking. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're on page seven uh, and we're on item number seven. And the blanks are um, rejoicing in God's righteous judgments. And the blanks are again rejoicing in God's righteous judgments. So that's verse 119 again. And and I don't know, it could be a continuing thought from verse 118. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. And we talked about in uh, the previous verse in uh, page page six, if I can find it in my notes. On number, on number six, it's the inevitable end of the disobedient. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. So we talked a lot about that, about why does God judge them that err. And so now we're looking at uh, verse uh, number seven, um, which is verse 119. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the, oath, uh, wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. And so we're continuing this thought of God judging. And, and I, I guess I felt like I needed to to look at this, and I have some extra notes in mind. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my notes together. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I am a mess. I am just a big mess. So I've got little stickies all over my notes, and they stick, and they hang on each other. So, rejoicing in God's righteous judgments, verse 119, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimony. So, first of all, this is in my notes, not in yours. God is the judge of all the earth. And that's the most important thing to recognize. And, and that's, again, again, a great deal of what people today are missing. If people just had the fact that they're going to appear before God, then that would, as the old saying of put the fear of God in somebody, that would, that would instill some wisdom in people to think about their lives, to think about their actions, to think about the direction of their lives. And really, that's that's really what everybody needs is that constant recognition that God is God, that God is, in this case, very specifically, the judge. And a lot of people can recognize that there is a God. I mean, I grew up with that. I grew up, with, you know, especially I don't know. I don't want to say in the South, like like it's a bad thing in the South. But there's there is a great deal of religion in the South. And that doesn't mean that they're all hypocrites, but there is some hypocrisy in the South. There's a great deal of religion. And I, it always drives me a little crazy driving home to Arkansas you there, there's some there's some really extraordinary sights. There's there's a place where there's three huge crosses. I don't know if anybody else has been on I-40 traveling uh, well east and west, I guess. But there's these huge crosses, and just right, I mean, just right as you get near them, there's adult bookstores on both sides. 
And you know, and the thing is, and I don't know. I mean, I don't see that. Kind of, I don't see billboards for adult bookstores around here. I, I don't know. There might be, and I don't know. But anyway, the point is, is um, there is religion, and there is there. But there's a lot of of uh, there's people acknowledging there is a God, but there's not a lot of you know concern about their own position, their own their the, what is the relationship between you and God? Is it a healthy relationship? You know, and uh, the ideal thing would be for all of us to be minding our, our lives and walking with God so that we keep short accounts with God and we're trying to obey him and do his will and seek his glory in the earth. That's really what all lives should be about. But right now you have a problem with people acknowledging or recognizing the truth that they are going to account to God. Now, the thing is, is as Christians, I won't be judged for my sin in heaven. That was judged in the Lord Jesus Christ. All my sins from past, present, future, all of them were judged in the Lord Jesus Christ. But my life, what did my life represent? I will account to God for that. Hey, Brother Patrick, good to see you. <laughs> and so um, that's something I feel like that the people need to understand that God is the judge. And the Bible talks about, I don't have the verse in front of me, but the Bible talks about how all of our ways are before the Lord. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know what, I, what it's like for you, but I think about all my ways being before the Lord. And there's things that just today I need to do business with God about. My thoughts weren't right all the time. My actions weren't totally pure all the time. And so my point is, is that you need to live in fear of the judge. Now, we as Christians, again, our sins are not going to be something we're going to account for in heaven because it was accounted for at the cross. But my fellowship with God, my walk with God is hindered by choices I make now if they're the wrong ones. And so, uh, again, that's that's the thing is that the, everybody's lives will be improved if they recognize that God is the judge. So I just have a couple of things about that. First of all, that God is the judge of all the earth. Abraham testified to that. I'm going to give you guys a lot of verses and we're not going to read them all, but we are going to do a lot of reading. And so I'm going to give you some verses and we're going to read the others. So uh, Abraham testified to that in Genesis 18:25, when the Lord came to him with two angels, they were on their way to Sodom. And so Abraham um, interceded for the, on, on behalf of, of his nephew Lot. And, uh, and so he said, you know, you are the judge of all the earth, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Like God needed Abraham to tell him he needed to do right. But it was, it was Abraham earnestly seeking intercession for, for, for Lot. And so God never rebuked him for that intercession. And so Abraham uh, referred to him as the judge of all the earth. And it was true. And so in John uh, 9, 9, verse 22, the Lord Jesus referred to the fact that all judgment is committed to the Son. All judgment is committed to the Son. And so listen, there is a great deal in the Bible about God being the judge. So letter B, it's in my notes, not in yours, <laughs> before we get to the first letter A. <laughs> I am. I really am sorry that I'm such a mess. I, I am thankful that you all put up with me. I really am. <laughs> so my letter B is uh, that that God, the judge, must condemn sin. And there's so many people that, again, that there are people who acknowledge that there is a God, but they're sort of banking on the fact or they, they bank on what they hope to be true, that God is a merciful God. He's just going to turn the other way, you know. Like like being pulled over by a police officer and you just want him to, to cut you a break. 
You just want him to look the other way for you and let you <laughs> Stephen shake his head. <laughs> but look, hey, this is the attitude that we come to that, st- that police stop with. Please just let me by. <laughs> Listen, God is the just and holy God. That's the thing. Now, the thing is, is it's not that God's not merciful. We're going to get to this whole picture in just a second. Yes, sir. He can be merciful to us and keep us from the judge. <laughs> that's why that's why they have the tool of warnings, right? I mean, so, so you can say, I'm going to let you go with a warning. But hey, you know, you've got like 10 warnings on your case. You need to you need to stop this now. <laughs> all right. So um, the, he is the judge of all the earth and, the, and God, the judge must condemn sin. Now. We're going to talk about this area, but we're not going to read it. And the reason why? Because we're going to cover it in the next section. <laughs> but so it's Hebrews chapter 12. I'd like you, if you'd like to write it down, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 28. And it's this discussion of the contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. And so it's Hebrews 12, 18 through 28. We may get to it. It's possible we could conceivably get to it tonight, but we probably won't. So anyway, I'm just going to summarize it quickly. That Mount Sinai, representing the old covenant, it was... It was it, the, the reference talking about in Hebrews is that, that that appearance as God talked with the people. Now, they heard the audible booming like thunder and worse, probably the voice of God. And there was fire and there was there was this massive presence of God. And it was so overwhelming that the people asked that they not hear the voice anymore. That God was speaking to them the law. And it was a frightening, it was a terrifying experience for Israel. And they they asked that they not hear the voice anymore, that God would talk to Moses and they would listen to what Moses said. And that didn't last very long, by the way. But that was that was the presentation of the old covenant. Okay, but what you see in Hebrews 12 uh, is also the uh, what they go from the the talk of the old covenant to the new covenant. But you're not uh, I'm going to mess this up. I want to read it now. But you're not come to Mount Sinai, you're come to Mount Sion. And he calls it, the, the, he, say, he refers to spirits of just men made perfect, that the God, the judge of all, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And so what this represents is the fact that sinners have a place to go. See, the problem is, is you have to be able to come to God and not just say, not, not just like check off a box, but you see it represented in the scripture when the Lord Jesus said about the, uh, the Pharisee and the publican. They both went to the temple and the Pharisee prayed. The Bible says thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are. They're extortioners. They're this, they're this. Or even as this publican. He, he referred to the other guy in the temple as, as, a, as a terrible sinner. He said, I do this and I do this. I tithe twice a week. I do all this. And the Bible says that the publican would not so much as lift up his head, his, his head unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is what a, a, the acknowledging of who God is means. The recognition that I am a sinner and there is a deep problem. The recognition that this sin is, is, a, is a problem between me and Almighty God. The thing is, is Jesus comes to address that very problem, brother. Now here's a verse that are offend, is offensive to some because it seems too exclusive. And we, we brought it up last week. Okay. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. No one comes to the Father but by me. Amen. That's good news. Amen. He's pointing you exactly where you need to go. Right. 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 And that, yeah, that's, that's actually, the, the whole scripture is pointing, even the law, even the law points man to God. 
And I, I, there's a passage, and I don't have it in front of me either, but the Lord Jesus, the, the Pharisees come to him, and they, they bring a woman. And he's, uh, he's there, and he's teaching somebody else. But these, uh, these, these Pharisees, they bring the woman. And they say, this woman is caught in, in, adult, in, the, in, in the act of adultery, the very act. The law says she, she, she should be stoned. What do you say? And, of course, anybody familiar with this passage knows the Lord Jesus didn't immediately answer. He wrote in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. And so uh, as he wrote in the sand, they began to ask him again over and over and over. What should we do? What, 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 what do you say? And the Lord Jesus said, let him that is without sin first cast a stone at her. And beginning from the oldest to the youngest, they left one by one until there's no one left but the woman. And he said, woman, doth, where are thy no, the, those thine accusers? Doth no man condemn thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go forth and sin no more. So the law, what it does, and I I love that passage because those Pharisees do what the law does. They bring sinners to Jesus. And the law brings sinners and they they condemn them. You are you are condemned. You are a sinner. (laughs) The Pharisees didn't recognize themselves as sinners. And that was the problem. But they did do what the law does. They brought they brought her to Jesus. Yes, sir. Another parallel to that kind of thing is basically when uh when an atheist tells you all the wonderful things the universe does, mm-hmm. they're, they're proclaiming the glory of God and they don't even yeah, know Yeah, they it. don't even know it. They're, right. they're, they're, they're ascribing the righteousness and glory of God to chance. Right. And that's, that's, really what, that's really what they believe in. It all comes down to random chance. Right. And yet, random chance could not produce this world. Right. There's, it's not possible. It is completely impossible. So anyway, so we're going to revisit Hebrews 12 in a little while. But before we leave this thought, my, my final thought before this point is sinful man must fear God, seek his mercy, which is found in Jesus Christ. And again, Jesus has been provided for the very problem that man has no answer for his sin problem. And um, and I think about the, the, the two thieves that were crucified, one on this side and the other on the other side of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says they were both thieves. They were both being condemned for their sin. <laughs> but you'll remember one of the thieves had the, the light turned on for him. You know, he rebuked the other. The Bible says that at the beginning, they both, that, you know, the Pharisees and the, 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 the chief priests, and the Pharisees, they all derided him and, 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 and just said such blasphemous things to him. And, and at the beginning, both thieves also did the same. They cast the same in his teeth, the Bible says. But later on, one of the thieves has a change of heart, a change of mind. And he says, and he rebuked the other thief and says, don't you fear God? (laughs) And again, that goes back to what we're talking about here. The fear of God that drives you to seek his mercy. And, And he said, don't you fear God? Because we're in the exact same position and we indeed justly so. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he turned to the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him, this day thou wilt be with me in paradise. Jesus is the key. <laughs> and you'll listen, all of religion on planet Earth can be defined for who and what they are by what they say about Jesus Christ. You know, when they say, oh, he's a good teacher, they don't let they don't let it go any further than that. He's a good teacher and, and he's a prophet. But you see, the truth is, is Jesus cannot be a good man and a teacher and a good teacher and a prophet if he was not who he said he was. And he is who he said he is. And so Jesus is the answer to man's sin problem. He is the answer to the problem of the fact that God is the judge and we are sinners. We are criminals who have come before the judge and we are guilty. That's the problem. 
However, God knew, and, and this is where we're going with all this. <laughs> and, and so I had these points also before we move on to the real letter A in your notes. <laughs> that my letter C is, uh, before that, is none will escape his judgment. And so there's several things about it, but it's comforting to us that, uh, when we see a, a lack of judgment among men. And this uh, uh, Judge Jackson, not trying to be political, but this Judge Jackson who's being nominated for the Supreme Court is apparently known to have gone light on a lot of heinous things and specifically child pornography as in giving sometimes and I haven't read it exhaustively but but what I heard was even less than the minimum sentence anybody that knows better please chime in is that that what you've read also less than the minimum sentence required and uh, some I read heard I did hear one of the senators saying you even apologized to the guy that was up on charges for him having to be here. <laughs> now listen, that's, that's sort of the problem is when we look into our, our world and see a lack of justice, a lack of, can, and I've heard so many times, I've told you guys, I, I know you've heard me say this, but the old eye, I mean, I, the way I hear this verse referred to in our modern culture, when someone refers to an eye for an eye, is usually they're showing how wrong it is. An eye for an eye makes everyone blind. Well, the thing is, is when the Lord put that in his law, it was a theocracy. And the problem is, is you say, OK, eye for an eye makes everyone blind. And now you're kind of hoping in that man, all man will be good enough not to do each other harm or take from each other. How does that work in our world? Do we look around us and see everybody so good that they won't do each other harm? No, that's not what we see. So what you have in God's law for his people and their society is at times a very, I don't know, a, 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 an intense judgment on crime and on sin. Listen, a, a slap on the wrist does not deter a criminal. What does it do? Criminal gets gets busted. He was he dr- dealing drugs or he, he, he raped someone or he he uh, he, he he robbed someone. And bring, you're brought before the judge. And the judge says, no, don't you do that. That's wrong. What does that teach him? There's, there's no punishment. They keep on doing it. Now listen, what'd you say? It emboldens, it emboldens him. That's the word I was thinking. <laughs> it emboldens them. Listen, God is just. And he is Holy. And that's why the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's why you see the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. He doesn't just talk about the things that we do with our hands or the things that we say with our lips. But he talks about what's going on in here. So that you as a Christian or I as a Christian, if we see something going wrong in our own heart. Hating your brother or lusting for someone that you confess that to God. You say, Lord, forgive me for that. That was wrong. You recognize in your own heart, in your own mind, the things going wrong and you seek God's help to escape it. And in society and listen, in our world, in America today, in 2022, crime is rampant. And listen, we don't have it as bad as other places have it. I know I know Stephen could talk to this. There are there are places where the cities are overrun. And, and the crime is, is not just rampant, it's, I mean, it, and, and, I, and again, Stephen, if you want to chime, chime in, please do go ahead. I know you know better than I do. But in Maryland, I know that they've cut out certain kinds of crime as far as punishing it. They're not 
that I, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not going to talk about this exactly accurately, uh, but uh, it's like prostitution and having drugs. Stephen, can you talk to this better than I can? <laughs> I, I know I'm going to misstate it. Okay. Well, anyway, Mary, if you know better. Okay, so they're, they're, they're not prosecuting some lower level crimes. Okay, yeah, okay. It's like in LA where you can crash and, and steal, and they're like just allowing right. you know, and Yeah, that's. And, you, like, don't steal over like $900. Right, yes, okay. thank you. Well, and, and that's that's sort of the point I'm getting at is that you know these these are states. The state district attorney has elected to not prosecute what they call low-level nonviolent crimes. That's what so prostitution. I, I don't know. I want to say they said drug selling, selling drugs. I mean, listen, folks. These are the things that are destroying our society. But what it starts with is a lack of fear of God. So that's what we're all what we're revolving around here. And so I, there's, I, I would like to talk about this too, that, that well, I'm going to go into there. If you want to turn with me to Isaiah 5, I'd like you to see this. Isaiah chapter 5. And, and part of what we're looking at here is the fact that I look in our world and I get discouraged. <laughs> you know, I know there was, uh, there was rapists that were let go with, with uh, <laughs> the words are escaping me now. <laughs> what is it when you don't get jail time? What's it called? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> that, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> no, probation. Probation. Thank you. I, I, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times my mind reaches for a word, and when I get there, it's not there. <laughs> that probation for rape. Listen, listen. This is the kind of thing. It, it's a dual. It's a bad thing that it's being done. It's a bad thing when the state does not prosecute it. They have the they have the person that committed the crime. They know the crime was committed and they don't punish it. That encourages people to do the wrong things. What I'm what I'm revolving around here is the fact that God is the judge. And the fact that people are not punished here does not mean that God is not seeing it. He is seeing it and there will be a recompense for it. Yes, sir. In the theocracy, I think you were referring yeah. to, the penalty was death. Yeah, really, yeah. You know, rape, rape, yes, was yeah. death. Absolutely. And so uh, in Isaiah chapter 5, I want you guys to see this. God talks about Israel. And so this, this, this is a parable, kind of. But Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 5, verse 4. 
What? I'm going to start in verse one. <laughs> Sorry. Now, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he, st- and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, uh, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come up briars and thorns, and I I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant plant uh, and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness. But behold, a cry. What God's referring to there is the fact that he planted Israel. He and, and of course, we know the history. We know God rescued them uh, out of Egypt and he brought them to the land of Canaan and he caused them to to uh, to conquer their, uh, the, 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 the inhabitants of the land. And he planted them there and he guarded them and protected them, gave them the right way. And he says he, he looked for judgment, but, but behold, oppression. And he looked for righteousness, but behold, a cry. I believe that's referring to the cry of, of people who have been wronged and have been hurt. And and so he looked for the right things. And he refers to it as he, he looked for good grapes and behold, brought forth wild grapes. And, and you get the context there. It's not good. And listen, God has a right to look in people's lives. The Bible talks about in the days of Noah, it's referred to in the Old and the New Testament, that in the days of Noah, he looked upon men and every man's thought was only evil continually. His thoughts on his, his will, his desires, they were only evil all the time. And the Bible t- talks about the fact that in the days of Noah, as, as in the days of Noah, people were, you know, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that that God loaded up Noah and his family into the ark. Anybody ever read that? The Bible says that God shut the door It explicitly states God shut the door. Listen, the point is, <laughs> is all of these things going on in our world. And we see the decisions that are being made in the in in the public arena. And they're they're rewarding unrighteousness. And in many ways, they're punishing righteousness. They're punishing people for doing right. I I just saw on the news today that all these people are coming out of the woodwork to condemn Governor DeSantis in Florida for the don't say gay bill, which that's not what the bill says. It's about parents and they're having the right to. uh, Preserve their children from uh, sexual teachings in kindergarten, pre-K, pre-K, kindergarten, what, first and second grade, I think it is. So keeping the sexual material out of those. Listen, that has no business being in there. There's no business being in there. Anyway, but people are coming out of the woodwork. Ron Perlman, actor, uh, called them Nazis and pieces of, of bad things. How do you understand what he was saying for Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I saw the little video box, and I didn't. I didn't click on. It. <laughs> and and my, here, here's my. So here's my point. You see, you see, and, and, and it's not. You want to say it's worse in Hollywood, but really it's not, 
Because the people that, that we, we elected, so-called, uh, put in office are the ones enabling the bad things to happen. And it's, these, these things are rare that people are doing the right things. But when they do, they're coming out of the woodwork to condemn them for doing it. And so that's our world. That's the world that we live in. And it's getting worse all the time. <clears throat> Here's what the scripture says, that God is the judge of all the earth. These things are not going to be, they're not going to be swept under a rug. We are heading towards the last days. We are in the last days. I believe that. We're in the last days. And the thing is, is God keeps holding out his hand to show us mercy. He keeps begging and beseeching. And by the way, we're supposed to be his hands and his feet and his lips telling people about the mercy of God. And people can turn it away and say, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. But the day will come where the judge will judge. And there's there's no, and, and there's so many things about this that we could look at and how, you know, people look at the Old Testament. And they see they see, especially those who just don't want anything to do with God. They say that they see a vengeful God. He wasn't vengeful. He was just <laughs> He had, he demanded righteousness of his people. Listen, America has been shown. I, listen, I by no means would I say America is a Christian nation anymore. I believe we started out that way. I believe that was the, the, the intent of the, of the founding fathers, that we be a Christian nation. But in any way, God has, been, God has given this country a great deal. Maybe, I don't know, maybe more than any other country. Maybe you could argue besides Israel. And we've been given so much. And yet now people are unjust and they're people who treasure wicked things. And what they're doing is they're they're treasuring up judgment. They're gathering together judgment for themselves, but they don't see it coming. Our place as Christians is to share the truth. Like the Bible says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Not one convert that we saw besides his own family. But nonetheless, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. I believe over a hundred years Noah was building the ark. And so I don't know how much he was preaching and how much he was hitting the hammer on the nail. But every pounding of that hammer on the nail was also preaching, listen, judgment's coming. And it didn't matter the fact that man had never seen a drop of rain on the earth before. It didn't change the fact that judgment was coming. The same thing is true today because people don't feel like there's anything to be concerned about. That doesn't mean that there's not something to be concerned about. The very fact that so much wickedness is happening in our country is enough cause for concern all by itself. But the fact is, is God says he is coming back. I believe it. Jesus is coming back. It could very easily be in my lifetime and in yours. We have a responsibility to have God's message in our lips. We have a responsibility to be walking in God's ways, to be doing what he would have us do and refraining our steps from evil. That's what is our responsibility as Christians, as people who have received forgiveness of sins and have received the gift of eternal life and have received so many good things at God's hands. We have a responsibility to share where we got those things from. And should we be a spectacle and should people mock us or say we're fools or whatever? Let them. It'd be far better to be obedient and be mocked for it in this day 
and be faithful to the Lord as we stand before him. So getting to letter A here in your notes, God's God's justice demands sin's punishment. Sorry. God's justice demands sin's punishment. Christ was offered as as the way uh, to satisfy the demand of justice that sin be punished. And I added to that and spare the sinner. So let me read that again. God's justice demands sin's punishment. Christ was offered as the way to satisfy the demand of justice that sin be punished and spare the sinner. So letter I here underneath that is the most wonderful thing of all about God's judgment and justice is that he would not compromise his justice for us, but neither would he leave us lost. So he offered himself as sacrifice for our sins. And so I have put this this little paragraph here, summary (laughs) of of our state and Jesus coming as our as our rescuer. So the thing is, is we all fall into that category of sinner. Everyone. Since Adam and Eve, Jesus being the only exception, but Jesus didn't have a human for a father. He had God as his father. And they, I mean, people that have talked about this exhaustively have said that the blood always comes from the father. And Jesus, being the righteous son of God, was the answer to man as a sinner and the sin problem. So the most wonderful thing of all about God's judgment and justice is that he would not compromise his justice for us. But neither would he leave us lost. So he offered himself as sacrifice for our sins. So we're going to do a lot of reading and may not finish it tonight. Probably not going to finish it tonight. But Hebrews 9, verse there in your notes, verses 11 through 12. But, uh, and by the way, if you'd like to read more about this, this, this discussion of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, read Hebrews chapter 8, 1 through 13. It's very good stuff. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Anybody that wants these after to write them down, uh, we can see me afterwards. So Hebrews, and nine, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 12. But Christ being come and high priest uh, of good things, to come to, uh, good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise the Lord. And so this passage, it's spelling out. And, and the thing is, is this, this, this probably has less impact on us than it does on Jewish society who had blood sacrifices day and evening for the, in the temple, uh, in the tabernacle and then the temple. And they had offerings and sacrifices for sin, for uncleanness, for all kinds of things. Just when a woman had, uh, gave birth, there was a sacrifice for that. And man had this, this way of dealing with all of its Issues between them and God with blood sacrifice from animals. And so this thing that that Hebrews is talking about is the fact that not by the blood of bulls and of goats or goats and, and calves, but by his own blood. So he came into the temple or into the tabernacle and to the to the to the holy place. And he didn't come with the blood of animals. And the Bible says about Aaron that they had to make sacrifice first to make the priest clean. Or, or, you know, to make them right before God. And so they, they had the sacrifice for the priest. And then the priest gave the sacrifice for the, for the, uh, and there was sacrifice to cleanse the instruments. And, um, and then there was the sacrifice for the offering for sin itself. And so there was all these blood sacrifices. And the Lord Jesus did not come with the blood of bulls and of goats and all those things, but he came with his own blood. He himself was the priest and he brought his sacrificial offering before God Almighty's the throne in heaven. 
And he brought the Bible says, and this says this very wonderful thing in verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered it once entered in once into the holy place, having obtained the word obtained mean it's done. He obtained eternal redemption for us again as the sinner with the sin problem. This is the best news of all time. That the sinner has his way of being clean before God. But the news doesn't stop there. God did not just make us clean so that we didn't have to spend eternity separated from God in hell and then the lake of fire. He didn't just rescue us from a bad place. The Bible says he imputed to us his righteousness. His righteousness put on my account. Again, folks, this is not religious hyperbole. This is the actual transaction of the righteousness of holy, almighty God taken from him and put to me and to you. If you know Christ, <laughs> the righteousness of God transferred to my account. And the Bible is very clear. It says in, in repeatedly that God does not see our sin. Now, obviously, it's not that God doesn't know about our sin. He does, but he doesn't see our sin when he looks at us. He sees the righteousness of his son. Folks, that's worth rejoicing about. (laughs) The sin debt has been paid and he has obtained eternal redemption for us. Put it to our account. All who believe that's that's the factor. The way in which we receive Christ by faith is by believing in Jesus Christ. Brother Patrick. I guess the earnest of the spirit basically when you said uh, imputing uh, the new man. Right. Came, came to mind, but, yeah. yeah. Amen. We, we become a new man, a new work. <laughs> okay. Well, time to time to close up. I won't call you the elephant in the room this time. <laughs> Pastor thought he offended me. Pastor thought he offended me on Saturday, and then on Sunday he came in and he stood there for a while, and I didn't quit right away. And so everybody's thinking about Pastor over there. So I said, "Well, there's no use hiding. We'll talk about the the elephant in the room." <laughs> So he said I was getting him back, but uh, it's just a saying. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll go ahead and close right there. Any any thoughts or questions before before we close? All right. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness of sins given to us through the blood of your son. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth and walking among us and um, and giving yourself as an offering for sin. We thank you that you didn't just uh, die on the cross, but you rose again and you live and, and ever, uh, ever live at the and and, uh, and intercede for us from the right hand of the father. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for the for the place that we have in you. And we uh, pray for your blessing on everyone here tonight and everyone who can't be here tonight. Please bless them. We thank you for um, Emmett being born. We pray for your blessing upon uh, he and Justin and Alyssa. And we pray for all those uh, uh, who are grieving over the loss of loved ones. And we pray for those who are sick and ill. Please help them as well. Please bless uh, as we all go home tonight. Bring us back at the next time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.